0: Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney.
1: I'm Chris Justin.
2: And I'm Ethan Janney, and on today's show, we have Gary Rabine. As a senior in high school, Gary dreamt of starting a landscaping and paving business while his friends were making college plans. He believed he'd gained enough experience laboring in his dad's small business that he knew he could do it. Surrounded by college-bound friends one day in, high school, in a high school cafeteria, one of them asked his college plans, and he replied that he'd like to hit save his money and start a business. And a smart alec friend eagerly termed him a ditch digger. Loudly laughing, Gary's going to be a ditch digger. Motivated by this memory and desire to walk his own path, 37 years later, Gary Rabine has grown Rabine Paving and many other businesses, which are now the Rabine Group of Companies. He co-hosts the Ditch Digger CEO podcast about stories like his, from Ditch Digger to the founder CEO of a national facilities services empire. Gary, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you. Great being here. Great to have you. Pleasure. Great to have you. You were mentioning before we started recording that one of your passions, as after you've turned 50, is to uh, give back to the community, which we're really excited about your generous offer here to share a new business idea with our listeners. You uh, often talk about your story and what you've accomplished so far in other formats. People can check that out on uh, Ditch Digger CEO, the podcast. And we'll have some time at the end of the show to talk about that as well. But right now, we'll kick things off by asking you to tell us about a uh, new problem in the world today that you are looking to help solve.
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the, uh, the introduction all that. And I, I naturally am an innovative-minded person that loves entrepreneurship. Uh, sometimes at a fault, I start businesses that don't work out so well. And more often than not, as I get older, my odds get higher of success last 20 years, I've started 25 companies, have nine companies today and a bunch of different other LLCs that own real estate and things like that, also besides the businesses we run. But uh, starting business and being an entrepreneur is a lot of fun. Fifty years old, you know you had read a book called Half Time, and it's about you know the second half of your life and, and what can you do to create meaning and impact. And so for me, in thinking about that subject, the most fun I've had was being mentored. Over, my, over the course of my life by good people. And back then, I just it wasn't even called mentoring back 35 years ago. 30 years ago, it was, just, it was called sponging. And in the same respect, I read some books on the subject of you know learning from others and success from others, and I knew that I had to come with something in it for them. If I'm going to ask somebody to, to help me, what can I do to help them? So they were customers initially that I do work for and all that, and, and then it became business leaders that I asked to help me out or to, if I could buy them a cup of coffee or whatever. But eventually, I'd surround myself with a lot of friends that were much more successful than myself. And I asked a lot of questions. They shared a lot of experiences. So that became the nucleus of my success. As I jumped into different businesses, I stayed focused on the one that I knew best, which is asphalt paving and concrete paving. You know, started out doing residential paving, and and today we're one of, if not the biggest commercial paving companies in the country. All All this stuff has been great, and we think we've done a pretty good job giving back. But what can we do to really make an impact on the lives of others? By the end of our lives. When I'm in those last days of my life, I'd like to know that I, I've made an impact on others and, I, and the world is better uh, from my existence on this planet. And thinking about that over the last six years and a little probably be, before that, I look at you know, how can I make a difference? And it's been mentoring. And, and we've got a nonprofit called True Mentors, we've got a nonprofit called Raymond Foundation. But something I've, I've recently been working on for the last year or so is. You know, how do we make a difference in these in these communities where they got all this terrible murder crime and, and shootings and all the other things I, I've investigated this a bunch and even as much as uh, six weeks in, in India you know, for for a bunch of reasons I was there discovering some medical innovation for for some health issues we have in my family as well as uh, talking to many innovators in India as well as visiting the, the, the slums of India to understand how it is that these the uh, poor in, in India, 90% live with less than $3,000 a year for a family of five, much less than our poverty level here in America. And, and when I look at the crime rates, way, way lower than per capita than America. So, so what you know, I'm, I'm, I scratch my head, why is that? And I discover a little bit of what I knew, but not quite as much as I, I really believed. These people that live in this you know, way below normal poverty level, 90% of them, uh, 90% of the kids are raised with a father in their lives. How is it that man they're 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 living in this crazy poverty? But the fathers stay, you know, stick stick with their families. They don't leave their kids behind when there's no incentive. Government doesn't pay any pay them anything, or they get nothing for that, right? So I, I realized that was a big difference from what we see in our communities in America and in our, our city of Chicago, which is which I think is a big problem. Um, and and then secondly, the biggest other thing I saw that, that created this this culture of, of family and love. I saw, I saw respect and I saw, and I saw courage in these people. You know, we, we had, had dinner with some of these families in the, in the uh, slums of India. We, uh, we got to know people there. And, and my son and I had a, had a great time with these people. But the courage I saw in these people, the amount of respect and lack of fear was awesome. So, so I, I'm like, where does that come from? So as I talked to these people, I met nobody that didn't have some, some form of, of faith above them. I don't care if they're Buddhist, Hindu. Christian, uh, Muslim, Catholic, um, they all believed in something beyond themselves, which, which I, I believe is a second part of, of the reason for their lack of violence and their, their amount of happiness with, with such such a lower amount of stuff than we have here in America. So when I looked at the, these things, I said, man, there's, there's got to be something we could do here in America that, to, to, to cure this problem we have in, the, in, these, in these, these urban environments. I, I believe I have a solution. I challenge anybody to join me in the solution. I built my, my life around lots of networking. I network with some of, the, some of the greatest CEOs and business leaders and entrepreneurs you can imagine. Very blessed that, that, that a hillbilly paving guy could have the relationships I have with some of the best best CEOs and entrepreneurs that America's ever had. And I can name tons of names of people that in, in America today that are my friends that I would never believe that would ever consider me a friend, right? So I'm very blessed with that. In the Chicagoland area, I'm confident. I've talked to a bunch of my friends or CEOs that, that employ a lot of people. Um, that that if we if we got 25 and I've got them, 25 names of CEOs in, in the Chicagoland area that have all said yes. And yes means that they will they'll volunteer to hire 10 or 20 10 to 20 percent of their their hires. And some of my friends hire 50 people a year. We hire 120 and 150 people a year. Um, one of my friends hires 2,000. People a year in their team in the Chicago area, right? If we have selfless people, selfless people in these communities, identifying places where we can speak from, and and kids that are good kids that want opportunity, that that have hope, and and everyone said absolutely. So again, th- and this is what I see, in, in CEOs that have built something from nothing, they're givers, they're they're not takers. Uh, our society says that CEOs make you know five million a year, and they all make uh, five or ten million in bonuses. Well, the CEOs I know. Um, you know, the Fortune 500 CEOs, that might be the case, right? But, but CEOs that I know are, are building small, mid-sized, and large businesses, and, and, and most of their money goes back into the businesses. They take very little from the businesses. And, and, and the ones that I'm talking about will, will engage in, in my plan, which is um, identify kids at, at the tune of a few hundred the first year and a few thousand within five years, um, um, showing them hope uh, by, by saying, we are going to hire this amount of people in your marketplace. And we want good kids with, with high school diplomas. We don't care if your, your, your plans are college or not. We prefer to have kids that don't want to go to college or, or don't want to go to college yet. Um, and we believe we can put them through a four-year program in our businesses that will create a, a intelligence in business and aptitude in business. They'll be way stronger than any four-year degree could create. So an example would be in our businesses and our nine, nine companies, we've got some tough jobs. Our tough jobs are, are pouring concrete and paving asphalt and doing roofing on ninety hundred degree days. But those p- tough jobs actually pay pretty doggone well. We, we want to put these kids in the tough jobs for the first 18 months. and If they get through that and show work ethic, they next go into finance and accounting. Whether they have a first grade aptitude or a 10th grade aptitude, they go into finance and accounting for the next six to eight months. And they learn why the numbers mean so much and, and why profits are important, not evil. Very important in the life, the lifeline to, to so much opportunity. Uh, thirdly, they go into sales and marketing to understand how to sell and, and market, whether they have a, a great you know, high EQ or low EQ. We teach them why sales and marketing is so darn important to the relationships we build and the awareness we create of the innovation, in the businesses that we have. And lastly, they go into operations and entrepreneurship. And that's another six to eight month program determined by their passion, their aptitude for that spot in business. What I can guarantee is a kid that goes through this in four years at 22 years old will have more business savvy, more knowledge of of the whole four parts of business I just talked about than any kid that comes out of college with a four-year degree. And the bonus is they made money, hopefully saved a little money. They have zero debt and they're guided by these CEOs and their executives. So we call it EIT, executive intern track. I know I can get self with CEOs and, and executives got some friends in these communities that are going to help find you know selfless people but we need a lot of them that, uh, that are the selfless uh, um, kids with hope that want great opportunities um, you know whether it be pastors and police and teachers and moms and dads right they've got to be selfless people so that that's that's the key so in, in the end I want I want to create this this in the Chicagoland market if I could do it here you can do it everywhere so that's kind of uh, that, that's a, that's a challenge that I have ahead of me
2: cool and one of the things that we we highlight in this podcast is how someone can get it started. And this is interesting because you have, you've started, you are given an example of how to get something like this started with what you've done already. You have a vision of what it should be. You have a structure and of course that could be adapted and changed, but it's important to have that structure. And I'm intrigued by the fact that, you know, you've already talked to a bunch of CEOs of businesses and you have them, you know, as you said, on board. And I think that one of the things that I'm thinking of in terms of someone else trying to get this started or trying to help get this started is that's leverage that they have when they're trying to sell it to whoever they need to sell it to. Right. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've got CEOs on board for this program. Right. I'm also thinking that the type of person that could be taking the reins for this, like people we encourage people to do on this podcast is maybe the right person within one of these communities, because they're going to more, you know, even more than any of the people that become enrolled in the program, they are going to be getting that mentorship, right? It's almost like you said, they'll be sponging.
0: So yeah. And here's the thing you just said, you said it, right? So Quentin, who's my partner and two mentors comes from this community. So he'll be an integral, he'll have an integral role in identifying people that want the opportunities, right? I believe that anybody that gets involved is going to establish a relationship, a network, a networks that normal people just don't get, a relationships that I couldn't have ever had twenty years ago. The best relationships happen when we're selfless, compared to when they're really doing it from their own best interest. Right? When I see people that are that are givers, man, I I gravitate to those people, and I, and I, and I want to love them and, and be friends with them forever. Right? And and so. If I'm a 25-year-old person and I want to I want to get to know the titans of business and how, and how they work and have opportunity for my future, holy cow. There's no better place than to be part of what we're talking about.
1: There's a lot to unpack here. Let me try and restate a little bit of what you've shared to make sure that I I've got it to see if we can find an entry point for some of our listeners potentially in a different market. Sounds like you've made a lot of progress in Chicago. The problem as you're seeing it is in a lot of American communities, there is an epidemic of violence. There are a bunch of people in poverty that don't feel like they have a, a way out. And there are a number of reasons for why this is happening. One is what, one that you brought up is uh, a lot of times fathers aren't around. And this is something that you think we can address through our businesses, which I'm on board with that idea. And the way that you are foreseeing this project is getting a commitment from local businesses to hire 10 to 20% of people from underprivileged communities mm-hmm. and uh, put them in a training program where you can give them mentorship, get them paid, teach them about responsibility, hard work, all the great things that come from working in small, medium businesses. My on point so far? Absolutely, you got you're on
0: you're on target, buddy. Keep it going.
1: <laughs> okay, great. So the um, the thing that really jumps out to me that I love about this is it's clear that you are invested in people, and there's a big investment that you're talking about. When you talk about a four year commitment to someone who is coming out of high school, a jaded person, and sometimes it's our job on this podcast to be jaded, you know, to ask the questions that listeners may have would say, you know, these millennials or Gen Z folks, they don't have the work ethic to commit to something like that for four years. How are you going to invest so much in a person like this, when they don't have anything really that they can give you in return, other than saying that they're going to do it?
0: You know, I I believe that it's going to be kids that want an opportunity. It's going to be kids that understand the core values that are behind the business. So, all these businesses are going to talk, be talking to these kids. They're going to be able to look them all up and understand the core values. And we're going to say, don't even apply at the Rabine Group if you don't understand these five core values and how important they are to us. If you don't think you can live by them, look elsewhere, right? And if you have the ambition and, you, and you, if you have the work ethic and you, you want to be in a culture that lives by these core values, we want you on our team. We don't care where you come from. does not matter. We want great people. That care about each other. We want people that are accountable. We and again, everybody. I wasn't all the thing. Our five core values. I wasn't the best at these things uh, twenty five years, thirty years ago, right? And I'm still not the best today. I strive to live by our core values. But if a kid understands that core values are really important, and when they, when they see this stuff in seventh, eighth grade, freshman, sophomore year, they're like, "Man, I can live by those." My mom talks about that, those all the time. My grandpa talks. I mean, all 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 people can understand in, in businesses. They're they're out to make money. Well, no, man. We want to create culture, and all these businesses I'm talking about create great culture, and all strive to be the best place to work. Right? So I believe that that um, you know it, it's going to take these people, myself, and these other CEOs to be seen, and these exec, executives to be seen in their community for a, for a little while. I, I've been told you can't go in those communities, Gary. You can do that outside the communities, and it'll work fine. I said, and I said bullshit. You know, if if I'm in that community, if somebody doesn't come in my community, have the guts to come in my community to talk from 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 my community. Then really, do they really care? Right to see how we live and understand who we are. And, and I, I've, I've got, uh, you know, I've been blessed to do you know work in these areas and, and have friends in these areas. My friend, my buddy Quentin, that's my, my partner and true mentors, is from this community, uh, still lives there today. So I understand them a little bit, but I need to understand him a lot more. And so these other executives, and, and I believe that if these people really want to make a difference, number one, we we selfishly they all have a, have a challenge to find great people today, okay. So selfishly, we need people. So, so, so even if they don't care they're, and they're selfish, they need good people. And I believe, I believe I'm a I'm a, a guy that didn't go to college. I barely made it through high school, right? And I believe that the grittiness that I that I grew up on has been a huge blessing for my success. And so when I look at these kids and I talk to these kids, I see kids that are gritty as heck. Most of these kids are way tougher than I was. And so you you can you can be told that that's a, you're a victim. You can be told that you're a victor, right? I choose to tell these kids they're victors. I choose to tell them, throw the crutches out and, and call them blessings. And if they do that, I'm confident they'll have more grit in life and in business than the normal person, and, and therefore, it could be more successful if they really want it.
1: So I, I totally buy that, and I love that answer. You can hear that passion in your voice as you're talking about this. The other thing that comes up for me is, from the business side, it's uh, this conflict that I'm feeling between a capitalistic model and an altruistic one. And you touched upon it briefly there, talking about just selfishly, people are looking for people to hire. They need good people to hire, but it feels like you're taking off the pure capitalism hat and saying, we're trying to do social good. And it seems like there could be some tension there when you are you know, pulling that capitalist hat off and Maybe that comes at the expense of making as much profit in the first couple of years. You have this vision down the line of how it's going to grow the business ultimately by going into these communities and building up this thing. But that's not assured. one. And two, it could hurt the bottom line right now. Yeah, yeah. So how do you think about that?
0: Okay, so I choose to talk about free enterprise and socialism, okay? And, and so, social justice is more served in free enterprise than any other system in the world. I'm a guy that, that didn't have steak and lobster, uh, you know, maybe one or two times until I was 13, 14 years old. It was, it was the best thing I ever had was steak and lobster, right, And, and, and at different times. And I, and I dreamed of having it more often. I'm a guy that couldn't go to a Cubs game or, or Bears game, couldn't afford it. My dad was a, a sports fan and, and really couldn't afford to, to, to take us to a game. And, and and I didn't go to any ball games until I was probably 18, 20. No big deal. I mean, these are all good things to my life, actually, to remember back at. Today, blessed that, that I, have a, I have a tailgate. and Every tailgate, I have steak and lobster, and we serve 50 to 150 people every, every Bears game. And, and I buy tickets to every single game, and I haven't sold one ticket in 20 years. We've given away thousands of tickets. They're expensive tickets, and we're blessed that they go to our friends, our, our teammates, our customers. We give tons of tickets to our foundation and the different causes we give to. They go to auctions a lot. But again, all these things are blessings of free enterprise that I've never had if I lived in any other country other than America. Uh, to, today, you know, the best thing that can take us out of the debt we have that, that we have to compete with the rest of the world is is this entrepreneurial thing that we have in America that we you just can't find anywhere else. I mean, there's, and so for me, I'm a crazy entrepreneur that's been rewarded for fun things that we've been able to create, and that I see that the difference it's made in many lives. If we can teach kids from everywhere, including the, the, these these urban communities, the blessings of, of entrepreneurship and free enterprise man, that's going to be the best thing to take them from where they're at today to where they can be, whatever they want to be. There's some selfishness here too, because I know that I can invest and, and it'll cost me money to educate these kids, but I'm very, very confident in the long run, our reputation will grow stronger. Our team and the loyal, loyalty of our team will grow stronger. But again, if it wasn't for our opportunities and entrepreneurship and free enterprise, we wouldn't be able to do all those things we do. So again, I, I'm confident that the only thing that can save our country and our, my state of Illinois is, is becoming stronger in entrepreneurship and teaching kids that they can do it on their own. And they don't have to be stuck in my business. They go through this four-year program. These kids can, can go on their own and, and, and be successful. Now, I, I, my plan is that hopefully most of them stay in, their, in our business and they're loyal. You know, not everybody can be an entrepreneur. But if everybody respects entrepreneurship and free enterprise, that's going to be good for our business and every business. Long answer, buddy, but you asked it.
2: (laughs) You know, I think one of the things that is just a piggyback on on what Chris was asking too and aligns with the questions that we asked about businesses, right? A lot of people talk about a contribution, like a monetary contribution from a consumer for a product. A lot of times comes from a pain that they're dealing with, right? So, you know, something's very complex in my business, so I'm going to outsource it whenever I'm going to pay for that. So I think I have a sense of where the pain's coming from here and who's feeling it. And it's, it's got to be someone who can contribute value, right? So the people in the inner city are experiencing the pain. The value that they contribute is they're going to have to make a little bit of a sacrifice, you know, to change their life. But I'm seeing that like the pain, some of the pains are coming like from the CEO side it's not It's not a pain, but it's almost like an existential thing. It's like you said, you're 50 years old, you get to 50 years old, and it's like you almost have this like urge, you just have to give back in some way. And so it seems like it's fulfilling that kind of a need. And then there's definitely a pain being felt in the, on the larger scale from the community, the, the government having to, to manage the issues that are going on and so on and so forth. So the buy-in is from the, the CEOs. Would you agree that the huge part of it is sort of like just kind of just that general desire to give back. Cause that's what I'm feeling from you. And then is there anybody else outside contributing finance money to this, or is this strictly just the CEOs, you know, giving people gigs?
0: So my goal would be, you know, initially for sure, all, all privately funded by the people with skin in the game, the CEOs, they're not just going to give their time and talent, but money also. I, I would expect all of us, actually, I've told all everybody that, you know, they're going to throw a, a chunk of dough in the pool. Because we have to, we probably have to hire one other person, but you know, and, and leverage, you know, the two people we have in True Mentors, and then 50, 60 people otherwise that are d- dedicating their time and energy to, to help us out, right? The cost of, of mentorship and the, the time of these people is valuable. But we we look at, we look at if you met the people we have in True Mentors, the CEOs, there's 50, 55 of us, I guess. All these people, if you looked at their value of time, it's big. It'd be big dollars. And and they're giving their time to to a younger person from their, their early twenties to let's say thirty that are that's new in business startup business whatever they're giving their time which if you value would be worth a thousand to hundred thousand dollars an hour okay depending on the where they're at in their business lives and and, and so again we look at their value of time it's it's high but these these aren't people that talk about how much their time is worth they love giving and so these are the people that you gotta have you can't have just anybody You can't be a person that says man my time is worth hundred thousand dollars an hour. You think I'm going to give my time for that? Well, no. We don't want you. Actually, if that's your attitude, we want people that actually want it. Want it, they're in the stage of their lives, whether they're forty years old or sixty years old or seven years old or fifty, and they, they they want to give back. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And so, so the, the pain the pain factors are are aren't really felt because if, if when you when you mentor, you get more out of mentoring, in my opinion, than 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 the person that's being mentored. Um, you know, When you, when you give back and, and, and invest in something like I'm talking about, the, the, the happiness of, to see other people do, some, you know, do well when they might not have the opportunity otherwise, it, it's way, way more valuable than the money or it's costing you to do that. I believe that, that there's not a lot of pain. The only, the only pain will be the discomfort of somebody going in the neighborhood that they're worried about their life in, right? Um, the, the, the pain might be uh, you know, getting threatened here or there by, by walking in, the, in these areas. That, that, that's probably the biggest challenge is the safety uh, the, the safety or the the perception of, of, of safety a lack of safety in these communities for the people that walk in them right
1: So I think this would be a good time to kind of hone in on what a listener can do if they were to try and get something similar to this going or maybe even work on this project in a different city at the same time because the goal of this podcast is to help listeners think through, New business ideas, really see how you think through a new business idea and how you would approach it. Let's say there's someone out there listening and they're in Los Angeles or in Pittsburgh or you know, Philadelphia or wherever, and they're totally on board with what you're saying. They believe that uh, that this problem is one of the most pressing issues. They really feel compelled to work on it. What are some of the things that they can do, maybe working directly within your framework, or even if they were starting this from the ground up in order to get this project going? Yeah, so, so we're probably two months
0: away from having a, a, really, a, very, a really good strategic plan. We've been working on it for a while. But by that time, we should have a plan that, that says, here, are the, here, are the, here are the, here's the teammates we need on each side. From the CEOs and the executives, here's what we need and here's our expectation. Here's the program, the type of program we want every business to offer. You know, four phase program, it's going to look a little different from a manufacturing business to a construction business like ours to a medical, uh, you know, distribution company or whatever, right? Either way, four phases of business, the four major phases of business we want them to experience. And, and, and so, you know, and that's not easy to take somebody, if I, if I have somebody, let's say I have a young young woman or young man that we put in, the, in a, at a paving crew and, and, and it takes them three, four months to get them up to snuff and get these kids all trained. Well, my foreman out there doesn't want to lose them. They're a good kid. They're, they're like, man, you can't take this kid away from me. They're amazing, right? Um, but sorry, man, in 18 months, they're gone. Uh, in every phase, there's, there's going to be a little heartache. If, if, I, if I was talking to people like myself, CEOs and leaders of business, I'd say, hey, man, watch what we do and track what we do. This will be the first pilot. I, I'm not sure I'd, I'd be ready to say, let's do 10 at one time. In my opinion, we do one pilot really well. And we do 300 or 400 kids the first year really, really well. To make sure that that our, our foundation is built very strong. By the time we're in the third year and it's a thousand kids, okay, now we're on our way. We're seeing big results. I look at you know CEOs and business leaders as, hey man, listen in and call me and, and let's let's help work on this together and and let's help me in this marketplace make it solid, rock solid, and then and then we can roll it out to your market next. And then when I look at let's say people um, in these communities, right? People in these communities or just outside these communities, how can you help and how can you be a part of it? I mean, number one, if you're part of it, you're going to meet CEOs and executives and leaders in business that are givers that you would not be able to meet otherwise. And, and these are people that I couldn't be mentored by or get to know, you know, 25 years ago, but people that give and get involved, they all can get to know, them, right? Because it'll be a team of, of, of high performing people that, man, I, I sure, would, would, sure would have wanted to know when I was, you know, 25 or 30 years old. So I look at people in the community, as long as they're givers, they're, they're selfless, we we're gonna embrace them all and, and, and it'll it'll be a lot of fun to be a part of it, in my opinion. But those 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 people are the people that are better than us at identifying how do we get in front of right the, the right schools, the right the right part in the right parks park, park systems, the right churches, right? To to talk about and spread the word. There's hope, there's something else I can do, man. I didn't think about that. I can work for that great that crazy hillbilly pavement guy, Ravine, and do any one of those nine businesses as long as I can live by those core values man, I can make, I, I can make some good bucks. I believe the goal is 50 or more by 24. So, so that means, Hey man, work, work as hard as you can to, to understand work and, and, and have the dignity of work, dignity of work and understand the, the rhythm of work, right? So your body gets it, your body wants it, loves work and has fun with it. And then, and then, you know, by the time you're, you're, you're 24, man, if you can make 50 or more by 24, that's not so bad you, you, you can support yourself now. And man, if if you're at 50 or more by 24, you can be 100 or more by 30. I think that this program, if if you do it well, I know that if I'm hiring and I get a kid that comes out of that program compared to a kid that's got a four you know four year undergrad, most cases, unless that kid worked his way his or her way through college and high school and understands work ethic, understands a little bit about business, I I'm afraid that kid won't be as valuable as the kid that we can train in our program. So so again that. I'm looking for, I'd be looking for volunteers that, that say, "Man, I can help in that front of creating awareness and also identifying good people that want opportunity, good kids that that want a direction and they want some hope, right so that that would be probably the most important the most important roles are going to be that in my opinion. So I was just going to say
2: it sounds like a big part of getting started for you has been contacting some of your CEO friends and saying, "Hey, are you on board for this?" And it seems like a good first step. To get people like that on board, at least find interest for us. So like, let's say somebody's starting this in like Philadelphia or something, some other city like Chicago, and they're not already a CEO themselves. What does it take to get in front of people and pitch this idea to them to get them on board? Is that possible?
0: So here, here's the thing. I'm blessed with a lot of opportunities. So my blessings are that I'm, I'm involved in a bunch of regional, national leadership organizations that house CEOs and entrepreneurs across the country. So I'm confident that if if I can build it here in Chicago area, I can get the word out in every major city of the country. That's great. Myself and my friends can get the word out, but that that's nothing compared to, uh, again, the communities understanding it's there, taking advantage of it, and really thriving on it. I've just got one part of this story figured out, and that that I know I can handle. And it's it's the relationships of leaders and CEOs. They're givers that want talent. They want good people. They're people that have no bias when it comes to when it comes to race or sex or anything else that people fear in my opinion today it's people that love seeing other people progress and do and do well so um i think i think it's selflessness on both ends that we need so my my thing is to get started in another community if if, if I, I i believe can it happen in another community? absolutely there's there's plenty of gary rabines in every in every in every major city of the country um are, are they thinking in this way enough maybe maybe not so, so I would love to lay this out. I have a strategic plan here within two weeks or two weeks, two months, and then say, "Here's what it is, man. You can try to mimic it if you want to, but we're going to build it here. If you can help us build it here, any way you can, we we welcome that. And then watch us and 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 be uh, you know, be some eyes and ears for us out there because once we do it here well, then you you can you can do it anywhere.
2: Let's say we have ten people that contact us and say
0: yeah, I did something to get this started
2: or I did something to contribute to what this project is and I want to meet with Gary. And we know you love mentoring people, so maybe you want to be in touch with all 10 of them. That's fine. But let's say you only had to pick one. What kind of thing are they doing that makes you feel like, yeah, this person really is doing something meaningful on this project. I want them. I want to talk with them. I want to work with them.
0: Perfect. Well, my opinion is that, you know, the most valuable resource that I could have over the coming months, when this starts up and beyond is, is the, the minds that understand how to reach the largest percentage of the community through social media, you know, boots on the ground, whatever it looks like, right? The method to do that is the most important thing. The more people we have interested, the, the more CEOs I can have interested, right? The more people we can talk to that, that we can find are sincerely, sincerely want opportunity, sincerely will love being in an organization that, like any of these organizations that have, that have great culture and core values and, and, and great opportunity, right? The, the, the more we can get the word out, the faster we get the word out, the better we're going to be. Any, any minds out there that can help us figure out that in these urban communities, how do you get selfless individuals right to be on the lookout for opportunities for, for these these uh, executives to speak from 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 these uh, executives and, and this this platform to distribute you know social media to um, you know what what is the best uh, some of the best applications to do that? I think that's the challenge we're going to have.
2: So it sounds like, like a simple action somebody could take that might be very powerful at sort of proving some value here and proving that there's some other in the right individual support is to go into a community and just find five or 10 folks and say, hey, listen, I can I'm going to organize a little event. You could meet with like these really powerful CEOs or at least one, you know, at least Gary. And and this is the type of program that you can get involved in. Can you be here at this time on this day and, and we'll have that event? And are you seriously committed to being one of these people? It sounds like that's a step that someone could take to sort of get this started, and show what they can do on their end to bring something to the table to what you're doing. Does that sound about right?
0: Absolutely. So from from the, if you're from the Chicagoland area, it's easy, right? Because from the Chicagoland area, it's where we're going to focus first, and then and from anywhere in the country, it's hey, you know what? I I know my urban community. I know what we're going through here. Here's what I would suggest, or hey, man, I'm going to be in Chicago. Let me let me talk to you about that, or I got that idea. Let me, let me run it past you. Right. Anybody that's, that's had experience in this space before is going to be important. And anybody from, you know, I would say, I would say, you know, this, this generation, right. These young kids that are in there uh, that are, they're 17, 18, 16, 17, 18 years old in these communities is, Hey, here, here's what would, you know, what would really jazz me up, man. Here's what would get me excited. If you guys are talking entry-level jobs. Boy, you know what? I'd, I'd be excited if this is the type of work I could do. And, I think most of the kids I know would be more excited about this type of work than anything you're talk, talking about. So it, it's going to be voices from the urban community, probably the most important for us to listen to. And then voices of selfless. And I, I keep saying selfless leadership because I feel that in, in all walks of, of these communities, in any communities, there's selfish people that are in, in things for for them for themselves and their own name and not really for the, the community and those kids. Uh, I, I, I've got a problem with some, the way some people present themselves as leaders in communities that really isn't selfless to me. I, I keep saying that selfless thing because uh, I believe if people really care and, and, and it's not about themselves. They're going to come up with way better solutions. They're, they're going to be non-biased solutions. They're going to be non-political. And, and that's what we want, right? So if it's from kids and people from these communities or just outside these communities that understand them better than me, that's that would be awesome to have all the feedback I can get from them.
1: Another idea that comes to mind This is something that an entrepreneur can do. If you work at a company similar to what Gary is talking about here, a lot of times companies like that don't do a great job of onboarding. It's something that they kind of, they hand you the manual and leave you alone, let you try and figure it out on your own. Maybe you get a mentor within the company, Uh, your direct supervisor has their own work going on and sometimes it's difficult to get things going. It may be different in other companies. I know in my past life as a working in a a corporation, I didn't feel very supported starting out. I do think that there's a massive opportunity to help streamline that onboarding process, which is another aspect of what you're talking about here. I mean, it's the main thing of what you're talking about, but you're just from a, a value added to these companies standpoint, that's something that if someone were to come in and create this structured onboarding process and the system, uh, as you said, in different, in different industries, it's going to be different, right? Yeah. You've had experience with multiple companies. So maybe someone who's already working within one of these companies can uh, create this structure for their own company and, and uh, get it going.
0: Yeah, you you got some great points there, buddy. I tell you what, you're exactly right. If, if it's people that are are, are operationally strong minded people in corporations or business that can help, that'd be awesome because that's exactly right. We have to build a program that works for all different industries, right? And it's going to be an onboarding program, not different than, not totally different, but a little different than most. In, in our organization, we onboard people for certain parts of the business and they kind of stay there, right? Sometimes they'll raise their hands, say they're interested in something else, but very seldom they get moved in a year and a half to, to and, and four years to four different spots, right? So you're right. It's a different type of onboarding, a different type of mentorship. And I, I like the way you say that because it's crossed all 25 companies originally and hopefully hundreds of companies in a short period of time. The process has to be very similar so that they're not stuck in any one spot. They are actually, they're actually educated to be kind of entrepreneurs. I believe many companies that think like I do are great with people – Moving on from their company to better themselves somewhere else. Now, I believe it doesn't happen as often as it could. Probably happens in our, our our business maybe twenty percent of the time. We have people that are learn learn our, in our business and then go off and do their own thing, which is more than most. But but again, I I think it's pretty cool when when that happens and they're successful from the start in our business. I can tell you in my in my podcast you can hear a couple of stories like that that have come out to be amazing stories of success. People that have that learned op- entrepreneurship through our our businesses, but again, so what you just said though is important because we're we're not just training them and onboarding for one one application in the business. It's it's four parts and it's a lot different. But it's again, that's what's going to that's going to that's what's going to create their value to be more than normal.
1: The uh, analogy that comes to mind for me is uh, the B Corp. If you're familiar with the term B Corporation, they're uh, benefit corporations. They, they have uh, these commitments that they've made to donate a certain percentage of time or a certain percentage of profits, the environmental stewards, whatever it may be. It sounds like there could be room for something similar in terms of a commitment to lifting up the communities that you're in. If you want to tag it with the entrepreneurial mindset, it's e-corp or you know something like that so someone could create a a tag a brand around something like this and i know personally if i saw a business two equivalent businesses one is committed to working and lifting up people within the local community and one is uh, doesn't have that seal on it i'm going to choose the one that is going to that that has made that commitment sure right sure. so that's a you know that's a clear path that's already been done. That's applied in you know a different way. That maybe uh, an action for a listener could be to to study exactly how that works with the B Corp and and pull out what can be applied from the B Corp structure to this idea. How you would modify it and yeah, make it fit with what you're talking about here, Gary.
0: So so think about this. Um, you know, I, I wasn't one of these students, but I had friends of mine that way smarter than me in school and, and academically, you know, loved it more than I did, that at the beginning, and actually my, this happened, I, I, somebody that I had my podca- podcast recently said exactly this. He was a valedictorian of his class. He said, he, you know, wasn't he, he didn't think he was that smart, but his mom brought him to the leaders of the school when he, when he entered as a freshman and, and said, we want a plan for my son to graduate at the highest academic uh, level he can possible, and we need your help to tell us what you think once you understand who our, my kid is, right? And he, you know, he was all in, the kid was all in and, and sure enough, he, he graduated as a valedictorian that was planning for success, right? And, and he, he also, what, what she did, what that mother did and what he did with him is she got him in front of the leaders of the school. So there is cheerleaders, right? They, she, you know, they, not every parent does this. Very few do this, right? So I look at this program as, you know, executive intern track, the, the CEO of the company, as well as the executives are pulling for this person, this kid, right? To be to be to go through this program successfully, so that's kind of a big advantage over over nor, of other people. And I'm not saying we wouldn't do that for anybody in our organization. If they came to us, the problem is new people that come on board don't often do that. They don't come to you and say, "Hey, you know what, yeah, Gary, the CEO, I want to I want to meet you and talk, spend some time with you." Right? A few people do this, and, and it does work out what, better for them because I know who they are, and, and I'm bought into them as well as everybody in the team. Right? So again, I, some people call it, you know brown nosing or whatever, right? But, but really, it's just smart planning. And, and, and so when I look at this executive leadership tra- track or this, this executive intern track, um, if you're, they, they have the buy-in from the CEO and, the, and, the, and, and a bunch of executives in the company, boy, they're, they're, they're going to be led on that path a little better than somebody that doesn't communicate with that, that same group, right? And, and I think it's a big advantage. So what, what you just said is, you know, what, it makes sense that, you know, part of the focus on this is how does that work? How's the mentoring work for the for that CEO and, and the executive team? My friend who's got 2,000 people a year, if he's hiring 200 people a year, he's not going to have time for 200, 200 kids, right? But does his executive team have time for those 200 kids to, to pay attention to him? Probably. So again, that's all part of the, the thing, right? How do you make that part of the plan? So boy, success is pretty imminent. If that kid wants it bad enough, success is, is a no-brainer.
2: We probably have to wrap up pretty soon here, but I'm going to tease out a little nugget that just came out. I'm just going to highlight it. I've read it in a book. I think the book's called The Magic of Thinking Big or something like this. In in the book, the author talks about how if you're working in the mailroom at a company and you tell the other people in the mailroom your big idea, they're going to laugh at you. But what you don't realize, you go tell the CEO your big idea, they're going to... They're going to ask you more questions. They're going to be intrigued. They're going to be interested. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you just kind of highlighted that interesting point. People don't realize like, you know, I think that's something people could walk away with from here is that if you can put yourself in front of people and tell them the plan, the big plans that you have that could have a vested interest in you and help you, you, you come to a new company, you say, I'm wondering, is there, is there a chance I could meet with someone at a higher level and ask them these questions? That could be really powerful. You're a hundred
0: percent right. And, and and I don't think we do it enough. And, you know, for me, I, I I've always uh, been a pretty outgoing guy. And, and I told people when I, when I had nothing that someday I was going to run a big business and I'm, and I love paving and I'm going to be the biggest paving guy in the in the country. And I, and, and I told people this stuff and I, I really believed it. I, re, I got a lot of people laughing at me, but when they, as they laughed at me, I, I was that much more determined as I got laughed at. Right. Most many people would get, would get put off by that. So, and I'm, so I'm not saying that's for everybody, but if you, if you tell many people your goals and your, and your aspirations, especially people that can make a difference in those aspirations, man, it makes a big difference. And, and, and if, and if I, I think about the team members that come talk to me that, that I have an open door policy. Uh, this is one of only, this is one of only uh, probably one, one hour in a in a month that my door is shut. Right. And it's, and it's actually a lot of people going home by now, but bottom line is, I keep an open door policy because I want my team members to, to feel comfortable coming to me anytime they want to. But yet they, I don't, I don't get called on that often, you know, on a weekend, on a Saturday, a Sunday, whatever, but I'm passionate about what I do. So I really don't care. And I, I actually embrace anybody knocking on my door. I don't care who they are in my business. They work for our businesses. I, I love them like, like a, like a, like a family member because they, they spend more time in my business than they do at home with their families. And so if they're, if they're here working in, in our businesses, if I don't really give them my time and energy, then, then I'm not doing my job. I think that CEOs and, and leaders in business that think this way and, and the good ones do, they, they love when somebody that uh, that ha- have two or three levels of bosses between them reach out and say, Hey man, I just want to tell you I really like working for your business. Hey, I, I could could you can I buy a coffee sometime? I want I want to ask you a couple of things, right? We love that stuff when that happens. It doesn't happen that often. So what I'm saying, I guess is for sure that person in the mail room, right? That person reaches out to the CEO. If, if they're a good CEO and a good company, that CEO loves it. And, and they're, they're not put out by it. If they, if, they, if they don't have time, they'll tell them, hey, can I get back to you? Can I got something going on. Can I get back to you in an hour or two, right? And, and man, that that type of uh, connection, it means a lot. And some people think, oh, that's brown nosing or people around them are gonna say, oh man, you're kissing butt again, right? And, and, and I don't care what anybody says, it's building relationships of trust. If that's your mindset and that's your goal, you're going to do it. You'll be more successful in your life than you'll ever be otherwise.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, Gary. I think that's a fantastic place to wrap up. It's been a a pleasure talking with you here. This is a a great idea that I am very excited to hear what our listeners are going to do with this and what they think about it. So if you're listening in and uh, you're on board with Gary's vision, take some action. Follow through on the steps that we have shared with you. Email us with what you've done. Everyone who does email us will get private access to a Facebook group of people who have proven that they take action. You'll be in good company. And one listener will earn a free one-hour mentoring call with Gary, who's got a a company that does business in all 50 states. He's got thousands of employees. He's been around for a long time. He's obviously very passionate about mentoring and giving back. Fantastic opportunity for listeners out there who follow through. So Gary, thank you so much again. This is a chance. We'd love to um, have you talk a little bit about uh, Raybine paving and your podcast, anything else you'd like to share?
0: Hey, you know what? No, Raybine group of companies uh, is a group of companies. We serve facilities owners across America and uh, some of the greatest companies in the country. We're we're blessed to uh, call as our customers, and our partners, and uh, you know, Walmart and Home Depot and Lowe's and and Prologis and, and many others. Uh, there's some of the bigger energy companies like Exelon and Southern Gas and uh, Wisconsin Energy. We do work for some of the best companies in the world, and that that uh, allows us to really do good things and and, and you know philanthropically as well as opportunities and, and, and innovation. We constantly innovate more than anybody in our space. We we partner with people all over the world to bring the best innovation to, to our industries. So we have a lot of fun doing what we do. And uh, you know, ditch sugar CEO is an example of more fun, right? Where we can. They can talk about uh, rags to riches stories on a on a weekly basis or so and and it's a lot of fun right to to, to get into the heads of people that have had great great blessings in this great country of America and understand how the heck they did it right where they came from what made them think the way they do and what were the differentiators that made them successful so that ditch digger ceo has been a lot of fun i've got about 30 episodes i think and much much like you guys are doing right we're trying we're trying to bring value to people that might not have it otherwise at, at no cost to them it's a blast and, and, I, and I really appreciate what you guys are doing because I like where you're going with it I like the, the definitive direction you guys take with your podcast. It's really cool. And, it, and I'll, one more thing You know, I'm not that I'm not that valuable, you know, pe- people uh, don't get too excited to talk to me I I, I don't I, I I usually sit in a dark corner most places people don't let me out so if uh, if if you want to give four four mentorship things away from me at a half hour piece because everyone's going to get sick of me within 20 minutes,
1: right? <laughs> Let's just
0: say four and a half hour. I'll double it. I'll double it up for you.
1: Okay. Awesome. That's super generous of you, Gary. You, um, we need more people like you in the world, more CEOs like you in the world. It sounds like, you know, plenty of them. And, and I think it's a fantastic opportunity for anyone to, to connect with you. So it's extremely generous. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank, thank you guys. You guys are awesome and uh, keep doing what you're doing.
1: Now, it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a
0: summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers, and one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started.